Welcome to the Before You Buy or Sell a Business podcast, where we help buyers and sellers learn more about the acquisition process, discuss recent transactions, and stay up to date on the latest news in the market. Here's your host, Jared Johnson. All right, cool. So I'm here today with Mitch uh, with SD Business Advisors. So, you know, we definitely like to bring on people that have a niche. So I thought it'd be fun to talk to you about what you've been working on. So maybe we can start with you telling me, how'd you get into business brokerage? It was one of those things, looking back, it's such a crazy, windy road that I never could have predicted. But when I look back, it makes perfect sense. I originally started in hotels. I was general manager of a hotel here in San Diego, worked for Omni Hotels for seven years. But I got kind of tired of getting yelled at. And <laughs> I was totally the guy that like when people were mad, they would go stick me in front of them and be like, make them, make them happy. It's okay. And it got to be kind of grinding. And so I decided that I wanted to transfer into accounting and went back to school to get an MBA at night. And so I did all of that at the same time. And um, it was really eye-opening. And, and working in accounting really opened my eyes to reality that managers never really make money. It's, it's owners. And mm-hmm. so that was the first time that, that I realized that I wanted to be an owner. And that was really exciting. And so I, I went to my GM, who was you know, a, a huge mentor of mine, and I told him. I was just straight up. I was like, I want to be an owner. He was like, that's awesome. I know the perfect person for, for you to talk to. And so he introduced me to this guy named John Pawnee, who used to work for JMI here in San Diego, which is a big real estate developer. And um, he had gone out on his own and he was buying up boutique hotels, fixing them up and then selling them. And so I went to work with him and, and I was his only employee at wow. first. We did two different hotels in San Diego, one in PB and one in Little Italy. Um, the one in Little Italy, I elevated to become the number one ranked hotel in San Diego on booking.com, which was awesome. Yeah, that's impressive. Um, and then I got really tired of that. You know, my, they were, they were small, they were only like 20 rooms. And so I was doing everything, um, except housekeeping and, (laughs) um, and my cell phone number was, was taped on the front door, you know? So if like somebody locked themselves out of their room, like they were calling me at two o'clock in the morning drunk to, to come let them in. Wow. And, uh, my wife got pretty tired of that. Yeah, I'm sure. And so she, um, she started voicing that and we wanted to start a family and right about that time we got approached by our favorite yoga studio owner. We'd always been really into yoga. My wife is an amazing yoga teacher among many other things. And the owner of this yoga studio just called us. She's like, I want to sell and I want to sell to you. And it was a dream that we always had. And, and we were really excited about it. And I finally had the confidence to do it, having worked with an entrepreneur who was, was doing it himself. And so we went for it. And you know, we borrowed a little bit of money from, from a family member and, and bought this studio that it was losing money when we bought it. And, um, we, we made it profitable in our first year and made six figures in our third year and ended up selling it for five times what we bought it for our, our sixth year. So you were thinking about making a transition somehow into yoga or fitness, and then it kind of just worked out for you and they approached you and said they want to sell it directly to you. So yeah, obviously it was meant to be at that point. Yeah, it was amazing. I got, I got so lucky, but it was crazy the way that, that I got introduced to business brokerage was the year that we were selling our studio. I randomly got like a, 
a cold email from from Allison, who's our director of operations here. It's like, hey, you know, we recently sold a yoga studio. Would love to give you a free valuation if you're interested. And the timing was just crazy because it's like, oh my god, I'm I'm literally in the middle of of selling my studio. But sure, you know, I'll I'll take you up on that free valuation and and get your thoughts. And so we went through that exercise, and it was really cool. And I was really happy to know that the number that I was using was spot on, according to them. And so I, t- I was just very honest. I was like, I have a buyer in hand. You know, I, f- I feel confident doing this on my own. But if it doesn't work out with my buyer, I'll let you know, and then you can list it. And she followed up a couple months later, and luckily it had closed, and everything went through. And she was like, that's great. Congratulations. What are you going to do now? And there was this long pause, and I was like, um... <laughs> Like everything else has just kind of worked out. So <laughs> let's see from here, you know? Yeah. I yeah. just got the biggest check I've ever gotten in my life. I'm going to go on vacation and, and yeah. take a break for a minute. And she was like, well, that's great. Well, when you get back, you know, send us your resume. You'd be perfect at this. And I remember laughing into the phone. I was like, my resume? Like, I haven't... <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you updated your resume? Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, I haven't had to, just like you. Yeah. Yeah. So. 12 years, probably. <laughs> Um, but I was like, this will be a, a good exercise. Like, I don't know what's going to happen next. And so I updated my resume. I went in and, and I met Sean and Dustin and that changed everything. So yeah. I'm sitting there talking to these two guys that are pretty much the same age as me. All of our kids are the same age. They're incredibly smart and polished and professional, but also kind and humble and want to be leaders and mentors. And I was so impressed by them. That I was like, I didn't know that there were cool people like this <laughs> out there. Yeah. And so I remember talking to my family about it and, and just feeling like it was too good to be true. That it like, I was like, so I won't have a boss. I won't have any employees. I can do whatever I want, but someone's going to help me do all of this. And your phone number is not going to be taped to the front door at, you know, getting calls at two o'clock in the morning. And if they are calls at two o'clock in the morning, hopefully it's a buyer that's going to make you a lot more money than going to let somebody in, you know? Yeah, it's true. I did actually get a call. I've gotten several calls at two o'clock in the morning this week, but it's because one of my sellers is in India and just has no regard for the time change. But luckily do not disturb is works fine. All right. (laughs) Cool. So, you know, obviously you had a, a good background. Um, kind of what I've seen a lot is uh, business brokers that have done exceptionally well kind of right off the bat are ones that uh, kind of grew up with an entrepreneurial mindset. So you understand what the seller is going through, right? You also sold your business. You've bought a business, sold a business. So you've been on both sides of what your clients are going through. So you kind of understand a little bit more than other people. Um, and then on top of that, you also have a, some accounting background um, and, of course, big operations. Um, you know, operating hotels is probably one of the, the toughest gigs that you can have. Um, it's not obviously extremely lucrative. Like you mentioned, it's the owners that are making the money. So so you wound up in the right spot um, again. You know, it sounds like uh, you, I don't think you're lucky. I think you put yourself in good positions and, you know, it ended up working out. So you started with that. Take me through a little bit of kind of how you went from starting as a business broker to now, if I had to guess, probably 90% of your focus is the fitness industry, um, working with in that industry specifically. So how did you kind of realize that that niche? It was right there for me. So halfway through our, our ownership of the yoga studio, I got kind of bored. 
and I was looking for a new challenge and a friend of mine whose name is Laura Monkholm had a consulting business where she was helping lots of other studio owners all over the country with things like pricing strategies and sales funnels. And she was really well connected with MindBody, which is the biggest software platform for all these businesses. And so she encouraged me to go through their certified consultant program, which is, you know, it's like doing a yoga teacher training. If you've ever, it's, you pay $2,000 and you go through the course. And so long as you finish it, you get your stamp of approval. And yeah, I haven't done that. I probably should. <laughs> I probably need to stretch more. And highly <laughs> recommend it. Okay. I've done lots. I've taken lots of teacher trainings. I've never taught classes. Okay. It's good. It's just good for anyway. But it was really cool because I, I really connected with a bunch of the people at MindBody. And, um, and that opened me up to all of their clients. And at the time, I think they had something like 60,000 clients all over the world. And so they gave me opportunities to get in front of thousands of clients at a time, speaking at conferences and, and ultimately became one of their, their founding education faculty, um, where we, we created a brand new mind body university program, you know, where we travel around the country, the world went to London, was supposed to go to Sydney this year, um, to teach people how to be better studio owners. Hmm. And so my niche, like the way I was able to fall straight into this is to, to be the guy who teaches people how to sell their studios. And it's an industry that is widely neglected by business brokers because, you know, on a small scale, the numbers aren't usually super huge. Like mm -hmm. most of the deals I do are between, you know, a hundred thousand and, and $500,000, but most studio owners don't know that we exist or, mm -hmm. or that this is even an option. And I don't know of anybody else that's, that's serving this industry doing what I'm doing. And so it was really easy to put myself out there as the, the guy who helps people sell their studios. And, and you also kind of walk the, the walk with that because you owned one before. So it's a little bit easier compared to somebody else that just said, I want to, you know, make the fitness industry my niche but I've never worked in the field. I've never owned anything. I've never bought or sold a business in that world. So I think you, you bring kind of a, a better perspective and I'm sure that opens a lot more doors for you when you're talking to, to sellers or even buyers in the industry. So. Oh, for sure. It's validation and, and competence. Yeah. You know, when you're trying to get in the door with someone, it's, that's everything. Yeah. And then, and then it's on me to, to prove why I'm, I'm the right person to do it. And like you said before, I, I think it has a lot to do with, with empathy. I've been a buyer, I've been a seller, I've been a manager, teacher, you know, I've, I've been a landlord, like I've had several Airbnbs, like being empathetic with landlords in this industry is not something they're used to. Yeah. Um, they still drive me nuts sometimes. Oh but. yeah. They're, they're probably <laughs> been the, the toughest thing on every deal in the last year and a half, you know, mainly because of COVID. So I think that would kind of lead us into the next thing I want to talk about. You and I talked a little bit last night and, you know, a lot of what we've been seeing in the last 18 to 24 months has been a little bit of a lag in the industry with COVID. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit and kind of what you're seeing and what you're thinking is going to kind of happen in the near future with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm really optimistic about the near future. Uh, obviously, it's been a really difficult couple of years for this industry. And I would widen it a little bit just to say boutique fitness, health and wellness, you know, including things like spas and mm. um, 
a few other like similar types of businesses, but they were decimated by COVID and mandates and, and mask restrictions, no matter how you felt about those things, the, the wide range of opinions about how to handle that stuff was really impossible for these business owners to deal with. You know, they went from running a business to, to suddenly dealing with like the, the most extreme political, you know, backlash over, and, and there's no winning because there's, there's people like so far to each extreme. Yeah. Um, you can't make a decision without losing people. And so it's crazy to see. And there's a bunch of data from, from mind body and other places that just showed this like mind body state of the industry 2022, where they put up a map of the States that are still lagging compared to this time, 2019 in terms of, of total bookings on their platform. And it's, you look at it and it's, it's a political map mm. and it's, it's hard to look at and not know instantly that that's a result of some of the regulations that were put in place and some of the demographics of the people that live in those places and the differences in their behavior over the last couple of years. And so, you know, when you look at this data, you know, the West coast and the Northeast and, and Chicago are still down 20 to 30% right now compared yeah. to where they were in 2019. Wow. And states in, in other areas, you know, like Florida, Texas, they're better off. Like they've, they've already gotten back to where they were and, and are now doing better. And so there's reasons for optimism. Like we're, you know, it's, we're seeing that the industry has come back in those states. I'm not worried about the industry coming back. Like only one in five people in this country works out. There's wow. so much room for yeah. growth. So it's just lagging. And, and I really think that the next six months will, will change that. I hope, I mean, we haven't had a January, February, March, in three years. If you think back last January, it was Omicron and, and right. the one before that with like vaccines hadn't come out yet. Like, oh, so hopefully we keep our fingers crossed <laughs> that this is the year that everybody says, okay, I'm ready to get healthy again. You know, where you see the gyms packed and everybody's signing up again, but um, hopefully it'll be a, a jump start to get everybody back to where we were before, especially in the States that have been, been lagging. Um, so that's, that's good to hear. Um, <clears throat> So, you know, kind of thinking a little bit about when you talk to a seller, uh, maybe somebody reaches out and says, I'm thinking about selling. What are some of the main things you're looking for? So, you know, kind of provide a little bit of advice for a seller by um, kind of putting them in your shoes. So when you're looking at a business and you want to make sure that it's sellable, um, that you can get the most for it, uh, what are the things that you're usually looking for when you take that initial call um, and then kind of walk us through what you're looking for and looking at when you're, when you're determining a, a price for a seller. There's, there's a lot. Um, but I'd say probably like the main three would be the mindset of the seller. Like, are they, are they desperate? Do they need to get out right now versus is it someone who's thinking ahead, planning ahead, you know, and strategic in their approach? I'd much rather work with the latter. Mm -hmm. Um, desperate sales are, are really difficult especially if like time's running out on your lease or something like that, like that's, you've waited too long at that point. So do you turn those people down immediately or do you kind of try to see if there's something you can do? I mean, what's something, you know, so if someone called you today and said, Hey, um, you know, my manager just quit. Uh, you know, I'm sick. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Do you just tell them, I'm sorry, this doesn't really seem like something I can do. Or do you try to tell them, 
you know, what, how do you, how do you go through that situation? I want to help everyone I can. Yeah, I really do. And so I, I don't ever turn anyone down. Like that's not, I would never use those words with those people that I know I'm not going to be able to sell their business in the time frame that they need me to. I usually recommend that they go straight to their communities mm. and see if there's someone who's willing to take over. Okay. Because if, if they know the right person and can let go of, of any, you know, looking for money and just get out of their lease and assign the lease, that can all happen pretty quickly, like within, you know, a month or two. Right. So long as the landlord's on board. <laughs> if you're empathetic with them. Right. So <laughs> a lot of times in that scenario, I'll say that. I'll be like, you can do that. If they've got a little more time and it's just not the right fit for me, I'll, I'll tell them that they can put their own ads up on Biz Buy Sell and, and see. But this really is one of those industries where the best buyers come from within the community. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm usually a pretty big advocate for these sellers being open and honest with their, their staff and their, their community. Because, you know, usually one of those people steps up and wants to see it continue in the same spirit. Yeah. You know, and that's really hard to find on on the internet on on biz buy sell. The second thing I would really look at that, that just makes the biggest difference and and this is all about you is can we get a, a bank behind it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's people who write everything off under the sun to minimize their tax liability and don't plan for it and then want to sell pay a price when their tax returns don't show enough profit to support a debt payment. And so you know, when I, when I look at the financials and look at their tax returns, if there's not enough money on their tax return to support a debt payment, they have to understand that they're not going to be able to get the highest multiple, you know, and, and the highest valuation. Because if you're looking for someone to be a $500,000 cash buyer in this industry, you'll be looking for a long time. If you can get an SBA loan for that same deal, it's a lot easier to find someone with 50,000 mm -hmm. who is willing to take a loan and, and make it happen, who's young and hungry. And, you know, that's ideal. And so that's really important to me. And, and I focus on that a lot. The third thing I would say that I look at is just the, the trend of the business. And, and this is really in the wake of COVID. Obviously, it matters in every industry and, and business transactions. But, you know, the big difference for, for me and for you, as we look at these things is that they've recovered from COVID, mm -hmm. you know, that their numbers are back to where they were. Yeah. Or at least close. Yeah. Or yeah. And, and hopefully really close, you know, cause it's until it, it gets really close, there's, there's not certainty that it, it'll get there. And, and that makes everybody nervous. It makes bank nervous. It makes the buyers nervous, but if you get it back and it's back, mm -hmm. nobody's nervous anymore. Right. It's like, oh, okay, like you, you did a great job weathering that nightmare. Well done. I'll happily buy this business from you. Right. So those yeah. are probably the three main. Okay. Yeah, it's great. And so if somebody came to you and said, hey, I want to sell, um, you know, down the road, I'm thinking about it. Um, you know, you, you gave the example of doing the education for mind body. When you're talking to those people, the majority of them probably have somewhere in the back of their mind that eventually they're going to sell the business, right? Um, or maybe they want to buy another one. Um, so would you, what type of advice would you give to that seller that's saying, I want to position this to sell in 18 months? Uh, what, what kind of information would you give to somebody that said that? Love that question. Um, show your profit on your tax returns. That's number one. Mm -hmm. 
And then number two is start planting seeds with prospective buyers. Oh, okay. That's great advice. Look at the people in your community differently than you've ever looked at them before. You know, who do you think has that hunger? And, And chances are you're going to be wrong about a lot of people, and that's totally fine. You might not think of someone who ends up being a great candidate. People misjudge people all the time. It happens to the best of us. Uh, I've certainly never been wrong. <laughs> but those are two things in particular, and I call it planting seeds, and, and it, it really does give prospective buyers the time to wrap their brain around the idea and, and maybe get excited about it. And maybe they're in a corporate job that they don't like, and, and they start to feel empowered that there's this other opportunity out there. And mm-hmm. Maybe they get in a big fight with their boss and and don't want to do their corporate job anymore. And then they come back to you and they're like, hey, how about right now? Because I, I want to quit my job. And and then as a seller, you don't have it listed. They're coming to you. You have all the leverage. Like that's the best place in the world to be. Yeah. Um, and then you always have the the looming thread of, of listing it publicly if if that person's dragging their feet. And so... And then obviously like simple things like you need to get your books in order. All of your P&Ls need to be super clean, you know, staffing systems in place, owner extracting themselves from the, the day-to-day role so that, you know, we're not looking for someone who can be a, a superhero and, and wear all the hats. And I think that's true of, of most businesses. Definitely. Yeah. So if somebody planted the seeds, went out to their community um, and said, Hey, I'm thinking about selling are any of you interested or do you know somebody let's say somebody did say oh my gosh i've been you know really wanting to do this uh, i have the ability to do it would you recommend that they try to do it themselves or would you want them to contact you would you work with them just to put the transaction together maybe walk me through that a little bit i always want them to work with me it is such a fragile conversation and and the reason that i think that i'm so successful with what i do is because i'm I hold these deals together. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm really good at listening and making people feel heard and making sure that their fears are acknowledged and responded to in a, a productive way. And when you're selling your business and you've gone through all of this and you get to the end and, and your buyer kind of freaks out, you're not the right person to make them feel comfortable because it's going to make you freak out too. And then the potential for that relationship to be ruined forever, you know, you lose your buyer and you lose your manager, like you're in a much worse spot. And so what I usually offer to do is if they get the buyer on their own, they get the interest on their own and then come back to me, I reduce my fee a little bit and say, I'm totally happy to manage this for you. I'll do it for, you know, normally we do 12% um, or a minimum of 15,000 is where I'm at right now. And so I'll usually offer to reduce it to 8% or a minimum of 10,000 Okay. because I'm not listing it and dealing with the public. It's just trying to make it work for these two people. Right. And it's still a lot of work, um, you know, keeping it together. Same amount of work. Yeah. I I always (laughs) joke that uh, business brokers uh, also become a little bit of a psychologist. I've talked about this a lot. Um, you know, I think you're really good at this. Um, Todd is amazing at this. Um, you know, just trying to keep these people on the same track uh, for 30 to 120 days, trying to get this thing done um, is definitely worth the, the fee that the seller is going to pay you. So 
um, you know, you, you do a great job with that. <laughs> I actually, I'll add my undergraduate degree was in psychology. Ah, there you go. And I, I thought I applied for PhD programs in clinical psych and I got into one uh -huh. and decided at the very last second that I did not want to do that with my life. Okay. And, and you're absolutely right. And I tell my clients this all the time. It's like 90% of what I do is therapy. <laughs> it's just being there to, to answer the phone and, right. and hear them out. Yeah. You know, and, and let them vent whatever they need to vent and then communicate what needs to be communicated to the other side, void of emotion. Right. And that's that's everything. Yeah, makes sense. So it's it's what a, a good broker does on top of understanding everything else, you know. So I think uh, if somebody's on the fence of of hiring a broker, um, you kind of check all the boxes as far as what they're going to look for and knowing that it's going to be handled the right way. So what advice do you give to the sellers? You know, we kind of touched on this a little bit right now with having, uh, you know, the emotional swings during the transaction. So you've got a buyer and a seller put together, they're in contract from that point until it closes. What kind of advice would you give to a seller? Because I know this is probably something that um, maybe a seller doesn't think about, right? A lot of them are real nervous about getting the business listed finding a buyer, deciding, oh, I want to do this, I want to sell my business. But then sometimes I feel like maybe they take their eye off the ball between the, you know, the agreement phase to closing. So maybe you could just kind of talk about what you would recommend a seller do during that, that portion, besides, of course, listen to everything you say. <laughs> <laughs> Probably two, two main things that come to mind first. One is, that you just touched is you have to keep your foot on the gas. You cannot get senioritis and, and stop working on your business and doing all the things that you do to, to bring new people in and convert them and to, you know, members and, and keep, you know, the numbers up. I've been there. I totally understand when you're almost done. You, like it was hard for me to even go into work like mm -hmm. the, the last couple months. Yeah. But the reality is, and, and you know, this too is, when you open escrow, like that's when the drama really <laughs> starts. Like people, people think that that's, they're like, okay, I got an offer and we just signed a contract and now I've got a deal. And it's like, uh, not really. Like you got due diligence and you got landlord, you got bank loan, like all of those things are huge hurdles. And so the things that I always tell them to expect are number one, that it won't be easy. There will be a roller coaster of emotions. There will be days where all of a sudden something comes up and it will make you panic and think that this deal is going to fall through. Chances are the next day, it'll be fine. Expect it, know it's going to happen, and then it won't be so devastating when it does. And then the other thing I would just say to them is, is actually just emphasizing that point that opening escrow is when things start mm. and, and so much can change. And, and so you know, just to prepare them for that and, and the ups and downs with SBA and, and the difference between the underwriter's approval and the credit manager's approval and Jared's approval, like the, they're all different things, you know? And so um, making sure that they know as much as possible and, and are just prepared for those huge sort of emotional swings. Yeah, that's some great advice. Um, do you work with buyers directly? I know in the business brokerage world, for the most part, uh, you know, quote unquote, co-brokering is not 
something that a lot of people do. Um, but there's there's options there kind of for buyers. Um, do you work directly with buyers without uh, having the listing? Again, I always want to help everyone. And so it's I don't ever say no to people, but it's not an efficient use of my time to help a buyer search for a, a business that's for sale because websites make that so easy. It's, you know, it's like if you're house shopping, like yeah. you got Redfin and Zillow, like you don't need someone to show you what houses are for sale. Like right. you can just look online, but I, I'm happy to help people if there's a business that they're interested in, you know, and, and they're, they pick out that business and then want to bring me in as an, an advisor of some sort. Mm-hmm. Always happy to do that. Okay. And then as far as when you do have a listing and you get approached by a buyer, what kind of advice could you give to a buyer to, of course, make sure that their offer is looked upon as being legitimate? And then, of course, kind of from that point on, you know, what kind of advice would you give a buyer to make sure that it's a smooth transaction? Buyers are, are tricky. They can be very different. Um, the, the first thing I always want to do with buyers is, is establish trust. Mm. You know, it's they're getting introduced to me as as something of a salesman, and and I don't identify with that right. at all. And so, that's always my first big hurdle is just to to make sure that they understand that I'm I'm doing everything I can to be as neutral and fair as I can be to make a a fair deal happen. You know, that's that's what I really want with buyers. There's they need a lot of reassurance, I think, and and I deal with a lot of first time buyers or first time business owners in this industry. And so I really can speak to the more tangential concerns that, that buyers have about, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know the software. I don't know how to set up sales funnels or, you know, I, I don't, you know, the million different things. What about insurance? Like who do I go to for liability insurance? And what about the the teacher training program? Like, can I, can I get that? Can they transfer that? I mean, there's a lot of those little details that, that fortunately I know the answer to. And, and a lot of times, you know, too, like we can log into the software together and look at numbers together and, and in real time. And I can give them feedback about what I'm seeing, you know, both with the business that we're looking at and how that compares to some of the more macro trends in the industry. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so you know, obviously you're definitely there to help them if they've found a listing that works. Um, you're also kind of there to, to usher them through the process. Fortunately, you've worked through mind body, which most, most, uh, fitness places utilize. So you understand how that works. Um, and then, you know, being able to kind of be a, a, a psychologist again with the, you know, moving through with the buyer and the seller. So some great information. Um, I like to ask two questions at the end. So uh, don't worry, I'm not putting you on the spot with any with any funny questions or anything crazy. But um, I always like to ask, do you have a mentor or have you had a mentor? I'm so lucky. I've, I've had a, a bunch that have really made a huge difference in my life. Um, in my hotel life, it was Colleen Cronin and Brian Hughes. Um, John Pawnee, I mentioned, who is the, mm-hmm. the guy who showed me how to be an entrepreneur and and a, a dad and parent husband all at the same time. And, and now it really is Sean and Dustin. Cool. I mean, it's, it's amazing because they're, they're both like a couple years younger than me, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like I've done some things and gone through some things that, that they haven't. And so I, I feel like we've got 
a really special relationship and that they teach me everything about this industry, you know, and, and in my mind, they truly are the experts in, in this industry and they show it day in and day out. But what I love the most is, is how much they want to teach us this stuff. You know, they're, they always pick up the phone. It doesn't matter who's calling or what it's about. Um, they always want to teach, you know, it's, it's not about telling you how to like, no, do it this way. It's explaining it and making sure that you understand. And they never make you feel bad about, you know, something you've done wrong or, you know, like we all make mistakes, but they're just very supportive. And I just, I'm really lucky to be in this spot with them. Cool. Well, that's a great answer. Yeah. It's always nice to see when uh, they they have kind of more of a an interest in you improving and you can kind of work together and you, I'm sure you're helping them with certain things that, you know, that they don't realize as well. So um, final question, what motivates you? What makes you get up and do this? I know in the, you've mentioned that you got a little bored um, maybe in the hotel industry, um, you know, and I feel like that's fairly normal with people that are kind of high functioning, right? We, we get a little bored with things, maybe if they're too easy or we don't feel like we're completely fulfilling kind of that need to maybe help somebody or, you know, achieve what we consider success. But now it seems like you've kind of figured out something that you're not going to get bored with, you know, <laughs> yeah, and hopefully can uh, continue to, to have a really long career doing this. But what motivates you to, to keep going? It's such a great question. It's hard to talk about without like digging into like some childhood stuff. Go for it. Um, <laughs> hey, you wanted how much time psychology of it? Yeah. yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, my dad died when I was young, and um, and my older brother was was another mentor that I should have mentioned. Who who's always he's been my number one my whole life. But I just I always want to do better and and grow and learn and and take better care of myself and my family. And I, I think that the, the satisfaction only comes from achieving new things and mm. challenging yourself and, and failing and then overcoming those failures. And so, you know, I think as, as it pertains to this specific role, like what motivates me to keep going and, and what I think the next version of, of this will be for me is, is growing this mm. and, and, um, you know that I recently brought on a like a junior broker yeah. for the first time, um, whose name is Kendra Zimmerman, and I'm I'm really excited about her. Um, but I, I have a, a vision for more, and and having a, a team of people because I mean there's something like fifty thousand of these businesses in the country, you know, and and I've I've sold eleven this year, like yeah, you know, there's there's a lot more to go, and so. Right there's a lot more people to help. And, and that's really what I want to do is I just want to help as many people as I can. And I've, I've reached the point where I'm stretched a bit thin. And so I, I need more people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's my goal is to, to grow what I'm doing so that we can help more people. Yeah. I think that's one of the fun things with business brokerage. You kind of can't necessarily run out of things to learn and, and different situations that you'll be in different business types, different people that you're dealing with. So you tend to not get as bored, but it does give you kind of endless possibility to continue to be successful. So you probably found the right thing that will help motivate you. And, you know, you're, you're not going to get bored 
Um, and then again, not getting your phone number on the, on the front <laughs> of a, of a hotel looking for you. So it's yeah. been great talking to you. Um, how can people find you? You can find me online at sdbiz.com or boutiquefitnessbroker.com. That's boutique fitness broker is my, my personal brand. Um, I'm on IG at boutique fitness broker. Those are the, the two best place. Cool. All right. Well, hopefully you get, get some uh, action from this. Well, I, I really appreciate you and everything that you do to make all of this stuff possible. And for everybody listening, like probably uh, my deals would not have gone through were it not for, for Jared fighting for us. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Team, team effort. All right. Appreciate it, man. No problem. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this podcast informative and helpful. Please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. For more information, or if you'd like to discuss a transaction, please go to www.jaredwjohnson.com.